glad to have you with us today. Like my dad mentioned, I'm Pastor Danae. I'm the women's ministry pastor here. And this weekend, we just finished our Every Woman Conference. And like he said, we had over 1,700 ladies with us over the weekend. Now, that's a lot of ladies in one place. But we had a great time. They had so much fun. We laughed. We cried. But the most important thing is that they met with God. And God spoke to our ladies about how they were loved and how they were chosen by God. And I actually got an email this morning from a lady who took one of her guest tickets and invited somebody, a friend who had never been to church. And she told me, thank you so much for making that possible because my friend gave her life to the Lord during the conference. And that's why we do this. Her friend discovered in that moment she was chosen. See, that was the conference theme was chosen. And we're going to take that theme through the weekend. And so I want to share with you about being chosen. You see, the concept of chosen, you have to realize that there's a choice involved. To be chosen, there's a choice involved. Did you know that according to Google... Us as adults make an average of 35,000 choices a day. That's a lot of choices. That averages out to about 24 choices a minute that you make. So go through and think through your mind all the choices you make just in daily life that you do to get through the day. I mean, think about when you go to a fast food restaurant and you drive up to the drive-thru. You look at the menu that they have and they come on the intercom and they say, what do you want? So you have to make that decision. Do I want the number one? Do I want the number five? And then they're going to ask you, do you want it with cheese, without cheese? Do you want to upsize the fries? Do you want a drink? And then if you're a mom and you have any children in the back seat, it exponentially grows on the choices that you have to make because you have to decide and make sure that, you know, your son doesn't get the wrong meal with the wrong toy in it and that your daughter makes sure that they don't put anything on the burger that's going to prevent her from eating it. It's all the things that we do every day and the choices that we make. And when we make so many choices, the idea of being chosen kind of feels a little mundane or ordinary. And maybe in this room, you don't know what, it like, what it's like to be chosen because all you know is how you're not chosen. You weren't the prom queen at school. You didn't make the honor roll. You didn't get that dream job you went after or that promotion that you applied for. You just remember all the times you were not chosen. Or maybe there's some of us in this room that all we know and all we feel is rejection. We know what it's like to be rejected. We've been unfriended. We know the coldness that happens when a friend pulls away or creates distance in the relationship. Or maybe we still have the sting of divorce in our heart. And we still play out that door and that slam that happened in our life and rejection shut us out. See, rejection comes in all shapes and in all sizes. And if there's one thing I want you to know today is this. You may have been unfriended. You may have been rejected. Still, you are chosen by God. You are chosen by God. And so today I want to share with you A few verses that I want us to look at in the Bible where it was very clear how God made a choice about us. So if you want, if you want to, we're going to, if you would join me in 1 Peter 2, we're going to be in verses 9 and 10. You can open up your Westover app and I'm going to be reading from the, the message version of this. 
And it starts and says, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. See, his word clearly states you were chosen by God. He chose you and he chose you on purpose. And so today I want to share with you two reasons why you're chosen by God. The first reason is you're chosen for relationship with Jesus. You're chosen for relationship with him. The verse says, but you are the ones chosen by God from nothing to something from rejected to accepted. See, Jesus loved you before you ever knew him. God always makes the first move towards us. You are his special possession and you are loved by God. But see, some of us, we struggle with the idea of being chosen because all we've ever felt is rejection. We feel rejection. My husband and I frequently pray with young couples here at the church who they want a strong marriage. They want a successful marriage. They want everything God has for them, but they struggle in their relationship and they struggle in their family because they continue to move forward and then they hit a wall. They hit an obstacle and they always go back in the relationship to the moment of rejection, the moment of hurt, the moment of pain where something happened and they can't move past it and they feel rejected. And just this week, I prayed with a single mom who tears were rolling down her cheeks and she cried and she put her head on my shoulder and she said, I just feel so rejected by my family so rejected by my family. And she began to tell the story of how uh, several years back, there was a mistake that happened. And because of the mistake she made, at one point, her family never got over it, never forgave her, and she feels rejected to this day. See, ladies, I think we struggle with this specifically because all we see are imperfections. We see all the things that we aren't doing right. We're never good enough. We compare ourselves to the people around us. We go on social media and we look at that person's filter and we look at that person's post and we see all these other pictures of what normal looks like or that's good. So if that's good, I don't measure up. And so we we begin to self-criticize and we begin to internalize and we say, I'm not good enough. I'm rejected. Do you ever feel like, ladies, that sometimes you are the clearance rack at Ross and everybody else is in high fashion? It's kind of, you just don't feel like you're quite there. And we internalize that. And self-criticism is beating us up. It's beating us up. You see, most of us at some point in our life are going to be rejected. We're going to feel rejection. And for most of us, rejection is not that big of a deal in those little moments. Somebody says a critical word. Somebody doesn't appreciate us. Our family brushes us off and they don't value maybe what we've done for them. And that moment comes and it feels like this marble. That harsh word, maybe a a relationship doesn't work out or maybe we didn't get that promotion. And that's all that feels like. It just, you know, we feel it, but we move on. Life goes on. We carry on as normal. 
But for some of us, because we internalize so much the criticism and the opinions of others, when rejection comes, instead of feeling like a marble, it feels like this. And so that moment when that family member just says a harsh word or somebody was a little rude or somebody made a comment and we thought they were directing it at us. Instead of a marble, this is what we feel. And it just hits us to our core. And that rejection lives there and it's this thud in our heart. See, for most people, it's just a marble. But because we've internalized that rejection and we've internalized that self-criticism that we've accepted of other people telling us who we are, we turn a marble into a bowling ball. You're not supposed to take a marble moment and make it a bowling ball moment. You are chosen by God. You are chosen by God. Don't accept the opinions of others and culture and all of the people that said you weren't good enough. All of us have a story of somehow at some point we weren't chosen. We weren't the chosen one. See, when I was growing up, I was not very athletic and I was horrible at sports. I mean, to this day, I'm still horrible at sports. So you actually don't want me on your team. I love our sports ministry, but do not want me on your team. I'm better in the sidelines for you. And so when school would come and we would pick teams for different events or pick teams to play sports, I was always that last kid as they were picking teams back and forth. And I'd be the last one sitting there and both teams would look at each other and the fight would be over who doesn't have to have her. That was me. And so as a kid that felt very lonely that I wasn't the chosen one. And then even into my adolescent and my teen years, I spent a lot of time alone and I was very alone because I was not the cool kid. I was not the popular kid. I was a preacher's kid. And so nobody really wanted that. And so I spent a lot of time alone and it became very lonely for me, even into my early 20s. But God began to help me realize and reveal in my heart that I wasn't supposed to please other people. I was not created to be accepted by my peers. I was chosen by him. And so what people say about you and what other people's opinions of you do not matter because you were chosen and created by God. You were meant for relationship with him. Now, married couples in the room, do you remember the first time that you met your spouse? Do you remember that moment or maybe the first time you were kind of interested in them? I remember the day that I met my husband, Jonathan. We actually met here at church and somebody introduced him to me and he walked up and and introduced himself to me. And I remember thinking in my mind, man, he's cute. I really like him. I want to get to know this guy. And so after several months, we were friends. At one day, got, um, my husband, Jonathan, he finally made a good choice in his life, and he asked me out on a date. And in the moment he made that choice, I went from friend status to girlfriend status. And then after a couple of months of dating, Jonathan made another good choice in his life, and he got down on one knee and asked me to marry him. And when he did that, I went from girlfriend status 
to fiance status. And then one day, we stood before a minister, and we stood at an altar, and we promised to love each other till death do us part. And when he said, I do in that moment, and he chose me, I went from fiance status to wife status. You see, all along the way, Jonathan had to make a choice about me. And every choice he made towards me, he changed my status. They were good choices, but he changed my status along the way. So you see, when God says you are chosen, he changes your status. He changes your status. God does not love you if, if you do everything right, if society accepts you, if culture says you're good enough, if you are perfect. God loves you even if, even if that friend walks away, even if that relationship falls apart, even if we make a mistake, he loves us even if. See, we forget our identity in Christ. He chose you on purpose. He chose you on purpose. God's word consistently tells a story over and over again in the Bible of him choosing you. He relentlessly goes after us. He sent his son to die on a cross to have relationship with you. He wants relationship with you. So don't be affected by the opinions of others because you're no longer rejected or neglected. You are perfected, you're pursued, you are selected, you are chosen by God. And you're chosen to have relationship with him. The second reason we're chosen by God is you're chosen for more. You're chosen for more. His word says, you're chosen to be a holy people. You see, holy means special. And in the Bible, it literally means to be set apart, to be different. We were meant to stand out. You were never meant to fit into the mold of what culture says you need to be. God chose you to be different, to be holy. He calls us to be different. You were chosen to look like Christ, not the culture. And we were set apart on purpose. Now, if any of you know me, or you get to know me for any period of time, you're going to realize I love dessert. It's my favorite meal of the day. It is. And see, growing up in the Ryan household, every night after dinner, we had dessert. My mom always made something. So I grew up knowing and understanding that there was always dinner and dessert. You don't separate them. They kind of come together. And my mom made something every night, whether it was cookies or brownies or ice cream or pie or cobbler. There was something that we had every night. And it was always homemade. So I grew up getting the real thing. So I know the difference between homemade and store-bought. And I kind of became a little bit of a dessert snob in this area because I like the real thing. And see, my mom makes the absolute best banana pudding. Hands down, nobody makes it better. It's hers. So we can't argue on this. Her banana pudding is the best. And so anytime I'm anywhere and they have pudding, specifically banana pudding, I kind of want to know how it's made 
because, I mean, was it one of those like instant boxes you bought at the store and you whipped up and put in the fridge? Or is it one of those cafeteria cans of pudding that they open up and then they turn it over and it kind of comes out like a jello mold? I mean, that's not pudding. That's just disappointment in life. That's not pudding. I love the real thing and I want the real thing because I know the difference. I want the homemade. I don't want the generic. See, you were never meant to be generic. You were never meant to be generic culture cookie cutter you. You were custom designed to be different by God. And he intends for you to be different. So don't accept generic in your life. God calls us to be different to make a difference. You are meant to make an impact. You are meant to shine. See, when we stand out for God, we become outstanding. We become outstanding and we become who God called us to be because you were chosen for more. So how do we know that we're different? Do we look like everyone else around us? Do we talk the same? Do we listen to the same music? Do we watch the same TV shows? Do we laugh at the same jokes at work? We should act, sound, and be different because we were chosen for more. Now, we all have routines in life. We have routines that make the day smoother. It's something that gets us through. It makes life function. And moms, we probably all have several routines that we go through just so that we survive the day and get our family through the week. So you probably have a laundry day and you probably have a grocery run day and you probably have a day that you pay the bills or balance the checkbook. And then we have these daily routines that we go through all the time where you get up in the morning and get your kids dressed and you get them to school and then you make sure everything gets done in the day before they come home and destroy it all. And then you come back and then you're going through the routine of dinner and bedtime and homework and all of these things. And so, and then you wake up and you do it all over again. And it's a routine after routine after routine. See, and sometimes the daily routines can make us feel incurably ordinary incurably ordinary and we get caught in this rut that we just don't feel like we're worth anything because all we're good for is a routine and so what's special about me what's different about me all I have is this day in and day out so if you were going to write your own autobiography today and tell your story how would you title your story would you be 50 shades of ordinary or maybe the long walk to normal, or maybe stuck in a rut. You see, the daily can easily eclipse the eternal. And we get caught in these daily routines of life that they can overshadow our eternal purpose that we were created for. And moms, sometimes I think we get caught really easily in getting only downgraded prayers. That's all we pray. That maybe, have you ever caught yourself praying that you, you get that best spot at the grocery store so that you can park really close? And then when you get there, you want the quickest checkout line and you pray that you can get through quickly so you can get home and you get everything else done. And that was the extent of your prayer life that day. Or maybe you prayed that when you picked your kids up from school, miraculously all of their, their homework was done, nobody got in trouble so that you don't have any chaos in your house that night. 
And that's all we did to survive is God just help me survive. That's what our prayer is. It's a survival prayer. It's not a purpose prayer. See, we were meant to pray prayers of purpose. We're supposed to be praying prayers of purpose over our family and praying prayers of purpose over our career and that our kids would discover who they're meant to be in Christ. But yet we get caught in the routine and we pray prayers of survival. And then we begin to dismiss our destiny and downplay our impact. Think about an evaluation form that maybe you have filled out at some point in your life. We've all filled out evaluation forms. They come and they ask you questions. And when they ask you questions, they typically have a rating scale after the question. And it's about maybe your, uh, the service that they provided you or a product that you had. And they want to know your opinion about that specific item. And so they'll ask the question and then the rating scale typically looks like this. Excellent, good, average, poor. And they ask you to rate your opinion. So today, my question is, if you were going to rate your life at this point, where would you put yourself on the scale? If you were really honest with yourself today, what would you rate yourself as? Would you say that you're good? Most of us might say, yeah, I'm good. Nobody died today. We're good. You know, I kept my kids alive. We're good. Everything's good. And some of us would say, you know, I'm average. I have an average family, an average life. We do average things. Nothing special about me. But see, the problem with average is average is only one box away from poor. Average is only one box away from poor. And so we kind of toggle on the average and good, but we never really get up to excellent because we just get caught up. And so we live in this average, good place. But you see, God said you were chosen for more. You're chosen for excellence. He called you to more. But what keeps us from reaching excellence is the bowling ball the rejection that we hold on to, the identity that we created in ourselves because we've accepted the opinions of what culture says we need to be. And so we hold on to that rejection and we hold on to that hurt and we hold on to that issue from the past. Or maybe we just, we don't feel like we measure up. A lot of us ladies, we kind of live in average. Or sometimes we're saying, you know, if I could just hit average today, I'd be good. We live below average. Because we look at the lady next to us and we look at the mom next to us and we see that she has it all together and her kids act perfectly and her house is clean. And did you see the way that she dressed and the way she handled herself? And I barely got out of bed this morning. And so we say, well, if that's what it's supposed to look like and that's good, I don't measure up to good. So I must be average. But we were called and we were chosen for more. And God wants us to reach excellent in our lives. So let me take you back to a story of the first family in the Bible, Adam and Eve in Genesis 1. Some of us are very familiar with this story. God created the world and he created it in six days. So God, day one, creates. And at the end of the day of creation, he looks at everything he's created and he says, it is good. 
It's good. Day two comes, he creates. He looks at everything he's created and he says, it's good. And every day goes like this. Day one, day two, day three, he creates, it's good. He creates, it's good. Then he gets to day six and he creates Adam. He creates a man. And he looks at the final creation. He looks at everything else that is around him. And this is what God says. For the first time, he doesn't say it's good. He says, it is not good that man should be alone. Now we're down to average. We're just down to average. So he decides to create woman. He creates Eve. And Adam wakes up and he looks at her and he's overwhelmed and astonished. And God looks at all of the creation that he's done. And he looks at Adam and he looks at Eve. And in Genesis 1.31, this is what God says. It is very good. It is very good. It reaches excellent. We're not just good anymore. It's excellent. See, it took a woman to take a guy from average to excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I make you excellent, babe. I make you excellent. So every wife in this place, turn to your husband and say, I make you excellent. In that moment, everything that God intended and his plan came together and it was excellent. We reached very good in Genesis 131. It's everything that God intended. But then we know how the story goes on. The fall happens. The fall happens. And the serpent comes and deceives Adam and Eve. And they, they believe the lie. And they eat the forbidden fruit. And sin enters the world. And in that moment, they realize, their eyes are open. And they realize in that moment that they are no longer living in excellence. That they messed up the plan. And it goes down to poor, just like that. And so God comes and he finds them hiding because they're ashamed of where they're at. And he comes and he says, Adam, how did this happen? How did this happen? And Adam blames the woman and says, well, Eve made me do it. It's the woman's fault. So God turns to the woman and he said, how did this happen? We were at excellent Eve, and now we're at poor. How did this happen? And Eve answers God in Genesis 3.13. And here's what she says. The serpent deceived me. The serpent deceived me. And what's interesting about this word deceived is when you look at the original language of this word, one scholar th- uh, rec- uh, recommends and says that it should be translated as forgets. She forgot. She forgot she was chosen. She forgot her identity in God. She forgot she was loved. And in that moment, all that God created, she believed the lie, she accepted the lie, and she forgot she was chosen. See, all the enemy had to do to mess up God's plan and to break apart a family was attack the woman. Because if you can attack the woman and she believes she's not worth anything, that she has no value, she's not loved, she's not chosen, the family comes apart. 
and God's plan comes apart. See, in some of us today, we have forgotten our identity in God. We forgot that we were chosen for more and that God has a purpose. So we've accepted ordinary and mundane instead. He wants us to reach excellence in our life, but we've settled for average and we don't think we're worth anymore. But he's called you to excellence. You were chosen for more. And so as I close, I have two parts and two challenges in my altar call. The first is, you were chosen for relationship with him. You were chosen for relationship with God. And so maybe today for the first time, you realize that you are chosen for relationship with God. You've never felt chosen. You've never felt loved. And you never knew you could have relationship with God. Maybe you've done this church thing, but you don't. You would say, I honestly don't think I have a relationship with God. Or maybe you do have a relationship with God. But at some point, it turned dry and it became distant. You could say, you know what? Right now, I don't feel chosen. I don't feel like I'm chosen for a relationship with him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. If that is you today, and you would say, at some point, I had a relationship with God, but it's grown distant, I feel dry, I wouldn't say right now that my relationship with God is strong. Or maybe you would say, I've never actually had a relationship with God or could say at this moment that I have a true relationship with him. If that is you, at the count of three, I want to ask you to raise your hand. And by raising your hand, you're saying, I need relationship with God. I need relationship with him. And I realize I am chosen for relationship. On the count of three, if you raise your hand. One two, three. Yes, 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 yes. Well, their hands all over the building. While everybody's eyes are closed, no one is looking around. I would ask that you would take a bold step and you would come forward to the altar. We have prayer team members ready to pray with you. If you would meet me at the altar, I know it's a brave step, but if you would come forward, we want to pray with you. And we want to pray for you and for your relationship with God. Please come forward at this time. You raised your hand if you would come forward. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And if you're in the balcony, there are prayer team members there to meet you in the balcony. Yes. If everybody would keep their heads bowed and eye closed I have a second part to my altar call there's two parts maybe you have been here today and you have forgotten that you were chosen for more and you have got caught in mundane and ordinary and so you've accepted average and today you realize you were chosen for more he wants excellence for you and he wants excellence in your life And if that's you today and you need to commit to maybe 
you have seen your job as a place to clock in and clock out. And today you realize you're chosen for more and you want to see your, your job and your place of employment as an assignment from God, that you would be a light that shines in that place, in that place of work, and that he would use you as an example to make an impact in your, in your place of employment. Or maybe you need to commit to your family today that you guys have lived at average and you've accepted average, but you want a family and a marriage of excellence. And you say, today I want to commit to a family and a marriage of excellence because we were chosen for more. Or third, you have had a walk with God. You say, I'm committed to the Lord, but to this point, I've never stepped out and done more than my relationship with God. And I want to serve. I want to serve people and I want to serve in my church. And you feel like that is your next step. If it's any one of those three, at the count of three, if you would raise your hand, I want to pray for you. On the count of three. One, two, three. Hands all over the building. If your hand's raised, I want to pray with you. God, I thank you today for your people. I thank you, God, that you have shown us that we were chosen for more. You love us unconditionally, God, and you want to take those places of rejection and you want to replace them with your love. And for those that have their hands raised today, God, they realize that they are chosen for more and they want to commit to you today. To Whether it's in a job situation, that they would see that place as a place of impact and a place of an assignment that you have for them, that they would shine and be your hands extended in the workplace. Or maybe it's with their family and their marriage, God, and they want excellence and they've settled for too long for average. God, I pray that you would empower them today as a family to restore their family and their marriage and that they would use this moment, God, as a step forward from this moment on, their marriage would pursue excellence. And maybe for those, God, in this room that they've said, I have a relationship with God, but I've never served. I've never stepped out beyond this. And I realize today I am chosen for more. And they're committing today to begin to serve in the local church. God, I pray that you would bless them and then you would open up opportunities for them to serve. And we thank you, God, for the people at the front that are saying today, God, I want a relationship with you. I want to renew my relationship because I realize I am chosen to be in relationship with you. We thank you today for your love. And we thank you how you've chosen us. And we say all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.